You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, and welcome back to the show. This week on Forecast, we're talking about content. We're going to look at why every professional services leader and firm should be producing some form of marketing content, and I'm going to give you some pointers to help you get started with that process. Now, before we get into the weeds of how to do content marketing, in this lesson, I'm going to focus on making the case for why you should be doing content marketing. And my goal here is to convince you that as a professional services provider or firm, if you're not creating this high-value marketing content or content marketing, then you're losing business. Now, before we get into that, if you haven't yet joined us inside our free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms, you're going to want to check that out right now. Inside the course, I will show you a proven step-by-step process to generate a flood of new business for your firm. And if you have joined us inside the course, there's now a brand new video version that you can check out as well. You can join us inside the course at no charge at 5leadgen.com. That's 5leadgen.com. So let's kick this off with a definition of content marketing, just so that we're clear on what we're talking about here. Now, this is a term that you've probably heard many times before, but you might not be entirely clear on what it actually means. So here's a definition from the Content Marketing Institute. They say that content marketing is a strategic marketing approach focused on creating and distributing valuable, relevant, and consistent content to attract and retain a clearly defined audience and ultimately to drive profitable customer action. So now let's break that down. First of all, they say that content marketing is a strategic marketing approach. This is very important. Content marketing is Above all else, it's a strategy. It's not a tactic. It's not something that you try once, see if it works, and then you move on to the next tactic next week or next month. It's a strategy that you build your entire marketing plan around. And within content marketing, there are many individual tactics that you could employ, but it's first and foremost a strategy to attract clients. The second point here is that the content that you create and distribute has to be valuable, relevant, and consistent. Valuable because if it's not valuable, nobody's going to want it. Relevant because if it's not relevant, it's not going to get anybody's attention. And consistent because if it's not consistent, you're not going to be able to get enough traction to build that audience. You're not going to get inside your customer's headspace if you're just producing content every now and then whenever you feel like it. To really start to get traction, to get inside the minds of your audience, to build a relationship with them, you need to be consistent in how and when you produce content. Now, this point on consistency is really, really critical. Just think about the way that you develop relationships with content, whether it's reading the newspaper every single morning, or maybe it's scrolling through your favorite blogs or your RSS feed, if you're enough of a geek to actually have an RSS feed like I do, or maybe it's your favorite TV show. You know, you watch Suits every Wednesday night when the new episode is released. You develop these routine, habitual relationships with content, and they just kind of become part of your daily or your weekly flow. That's the goal here. You want your content to become part of your customer's routine. 
Now, finally, what's the goal of all of this content? And it's mentioned here in the definition that the goal is to attract and retain a clearly defined audience and ultimately to drive profitable customer action. Now, first, the two words I want to highlight here are attract and retain. Notice how this definition doesn't say to convert strangers into clients. That's way too much of a jump. That's too much of a leap. There are several steps that have to happen between stranger and client. That's why it says to attract and retain and ultimately to drive profitable customer action. In other words, the goal of your content is to get your client's attention and keep it long enough for them to buy. How long does that take? Well, it depends on how long the buyer's journey is, and that'll vary from industry to industry. Let's say if you're one of my accounting firm clients and right now you're in the middle of tax season, then the buyer's journey is extremely short. It's maybe just a Google search and a phone call and the deal is closed. Whereas if you're a consulting operation that does higher value and larger projects, then the buyer's journey is probably much longer. It could take months. Now, content is valuable in both of those scenarios, but the way that you use it is going to differ. Now, to appreciate the psychology behind why content marketing is so effective, especially today, we need to appreciate what's happening in the broader media landscape. Because in the end, content is media just like any other media. The only difference is that content marketing has commercial intent. So when you create content for your business, for your firm, that content is designed to build a relationship with a prospect that you'll hope will turn into a customer relationship. But in the end, it's still a form of media, and that is critical to the way that you need to understand content marketing. Because in the battle for attention, you're not only competing with your industry peers and competitors, you're competing with every other form of media out there. So when you send an email to your list, you're actually competing with all the other emails in that inbox for attention, including the one right above yours from BuzzFeed with the really catchy subject line. Sure, BuzzFeed isn't your competitor, but they're landing in the same inbox competing for the same attention that you want. By the same token, when you publish a video on YouTube, you're competing with every famous YouTube out there from Casey to Shay Carl and everyone in between. When you publish a new podcast episode, you're competing with NPR and the, I don't even know, 20, 30, 40, 50 shows that they have. You're competing with Mark Marin. You're competing with all these prolific podcasters and professional radio show hosts. Now, that sounds like a pretty daunting challenge, doesn't it? How are you supposed to compete with these large media enterprises and professional media producers who are in the business of producing media? And that alone scares most people away from even trying. So here are a couple of reasons why you absolutely should not let that scare you and you should do it anyways. First of all, if you don't produce media or some form of content marketing, then you're virtually invisible. Yes, it's hard to compete with all the other media that's already out there, but if you don't try, then you'll be nowhere to be found. You won't even have a chance. You won't have a presence whatsoever. So producing some media, producing some content that's maybe not as visible as you'd hope it to be, but is at least somewhat visible, is better than no content and no visibility. The second point is that the only way to get better at producing content is to start producing more content. 
look, I am under no illusions that this is the most entertaining podcast in the world. I know it's not. I know I can't compete with the comedians out there. I know I can't compete with the professional radio show hosts out there. There are some really, really high value podcasts in iTunes, even within my niche. I'm not trying to compete with them. I'm starting where I'm at. It's been a few months now. I'm trying to get better and better and better with every episode. And I'm trying to be consistent in putting out value to my audience. And over time, I'm going to get better. It's going to get more interesting. It'll be more entertaining. It'll be more valuable. And the same goes for you, that when you get started, especially if you have good taste, you're not going to like what you're putting out. That's just natural. You're not going to like it. You're not going to think it's good enough. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. That doesn't mean it's not valuable to your audience. And that doesn't mean that it's not going to get better over time. It always does. And the third thing to remember here is that that comparison between you and the larger media producers is unfair because you don't need the kind of traction and exposure and attention that they get because you're not in the business of producing media. Media is not your business model. Your goal is to get the attention of a very specific segment of people, to get the attention of your customer segment or your ideal clients. And if you're speaking the right language and you're targeting the right problems and you're saying the right things, you're going to get their attention. And that's all you really want. Everyone else can safely ignore you and it really shouldn't matter to you. And this is an important takeaway from this discussion. I want you to understand that this is not a popularity contest, right? Popularity does not equal revenue. A lot of folks, when they start producing content, they get disheartened when you know they put out a YouTube video and it only gets 100 views or 50 views or even 20 views. And they think they fail because they're not a YouTube sensation yet. They don't have thousands of views and tens of thousands of views like the big YouTubers do. But if one of those 100 views was a prospect and you converted that prospect into a client in part due to that one video they found on your website or on YouTube, wasn't it worth it? I'll bet it was. So remember, your content doesn't need to go viral. You don't need to be a YouTube sensation. All you need to do is produce content that's relevant, valuable, and consistent, and builds a relationship with your target customers so that you can get them to a point where they know, like, and trust you and are ready to do business with you. So the bottom line here is that everybody is now in the media business, that if you're not producing media, you're going to get left behind and pretty soon you're going to be invisible. And all you really need to do to understand why this is true is to look at your own media consumption habits. Now, I'll leave you with one really critical stat that I want you to take away from this. And I could have dropped a ton of statistics on you to prove the value and the case for content marketing, but I didn't want to confuse the issue. But there is one stat that's really important for you to remember. There was a study done by the conference executive board and Google uh, where they looked at the buying habits and patterns and behaviors of the average B2B buyer. And what they found was that the average B2B buyer was almost 60% through their decision-making process before they ever contacted a vendor or a supplier. What that means is that your buyer is more than halfway through the decision, through the buying process. In other words, they're, they've more than half made up their minds before they pick up the phone and call you or before they submit a query on your website. Now, that should be very, very humbling because first of all, you should be wondering what else could I be saying in the first half of that process when they're doing their research, when they're on my website, when they're reading blogs and when they're looking for information, what could I be saying 
to get their attention and to increase my chances of winning the deal because they more than half made up their minds before they contact me. So it's not about what I say in that meeting. It's not about my proposal. It is about those things, but there's all this other stuff that's happening before we even interact. And what are you doing to improve your odds of winning the deal in the first half of that interaction? And the second question is, How much business are you losing because you're ignoring the first half of that interaction? You only know about the deals that come to you, right? You only know about a deal or a lead if they call you or they submit a query on your website or they contact you somehow. You don't know how much business you're losing because you're not creating content that helps the buyer in the earlier stages of their journey. And chances are you're leaving a ton of money on the table because of it. So that's the basic case for content marketing. I hope I'm not beating a dead horse here. I hope I've made the case and you're convinced, but just in case you're not, in the next lesson, I'm gonna tell you a story of two different firms who are in the same industry and who do the same kind of work who took very different approaches when it comes to content marketing. And through that story, you'll see why content can make all the difference. So stay tuned for that. If you haven't yet subscribed to the show on iTunes, do us both a favor, head over to iTunes, search for forecast marketing, find the show, it's a blue graphic, click on it, hit subscribe, and while you're at it, leave us a rating and a review. It helps more people discover the show. Thanks for listening.